Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the 1984 film Footloose. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed and listen without having seen the film, just be aware that elements of the plot will be spoiled for you. Enjoy. Hello. <laughs> I was about to break into song, but you don't look like you're up for it. You could give it a go, but I am very tired and grumpy. <laughs> Let's hear it for big boys. <laughs> so that's all I got. It was either going to be that or um, a, a version of Footloose, which was pioneered by Reeves and Mortimer on their show, The Smell of Reeves and Mortimer in the 1990s, which went loose, foot loose, put on the Sunday roast. And that was it. <laughs> I like for years, it. I like it. For years, I was convinced that that was actually how the song went, and it was just a song about um, roasting. I didn't really connect it with the idea of um, loose feet, which are a very real problem. Loose feet sink ships. <laughs> yeah, you ever you ever had a loose foot? Yeah, it's over the other side of the room right now. I'm furious with it. I know, Get over your foot. <laughs> yeah, it happens all the time. It's detachable. Yeah, it's like a boomerang. My feet. <laughs> oh yeah, old old Rob Boomerang feet over here. That that is my my genuine nickname. Yeah. Name, fact, known to many. In fact, the first time I met you, in fact, I met your foot before I met you. If that makes sense. Yeah, it was there at the bar having a drink. Yeah, and it and it turned to me, and it was like, "What are you looking at, mate? <laughs> you what?" And then it challenged me to a chicken race in um in tractors which i assumed was um you know a, De- a devon thing because we went to university in devon and that it would actually be like racing chickens and the chickens would be on the tractors i didn't really understand what it was and then eventually you came up and were like oi foot what are you doing and then the foot decided to reattach itself to your body and here we are uh, 10 years later that is exactly what happened um boomerang foot one of the lesser known avengers one of the weaker ones <laughs> yeah didn't quite make the cut for Endgame. Yeah, it was it was Endgame for him five movies ago, I assume, <laughs> having not seen any of them. Is they're the classics of our time. Yeah, I think the only film of the MCU that I've seen is Black Panther, which I've enjoyed very much, as it turns out. There, there are some good ones in there. Um, uh, do you do you rate the Endgame? I haven't seen it. I, you haven't seen it? No, I. Uh, it's too much. It's too much for me. It's long. It's three hours long. It's it's long, and there's so you much watch, going on. What one point two episodes of Game of Thrones in that time? Exactly. I could see. I could see dragons, or I could see big purple man, and I'd rather watch <laughs> big, dragons. Big purple man. <laughs> <laughs> wait, you wait. You mean Prince? <laughs> no, he's short. Purple man. Oh yeah, yeah. But he's, he's he's small in stature, but large in heart. Large in spirit and lust. As, as we saw in the credits of Under the Cherry Moon, when they were, <laughs> his, ba- his band were rocking in heaven. Exactly. Like exactly. Fatboy Slim. Now, I, the Marvel movies are fine. Don't get me wrong. They're all a good, solid 6.5 out of 10 enjoyable romp. But I'm not going to devote my life to watching them all 
and I've missed so many of them that I thought, you know what, I can't be bothered with Endgame. Yeah. Um, I, I, I prefer movies where I can just pick them out and enjoy them on their own, which is what was great about Black Panther, which is what was great about Guardians of the Galaxy. Which um, I've still not seen. Yes, but you should. Still. It's got a talking raccoon who shoots people. I know. I, what I more love do you raccoons. Want? What more do you want than uh, than that from your movie? Trash Panda with a gun. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Perfect film right there. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, Marvel, MCU, whatever. But I am amazed by how popular it is and by sort of how so many people sort of flock to the cinema and how big a cinematic event it is. And I think anything that is a cinematic event like that has got to be a good thing, right? Yeah, I think in general, um, there is the issue of um, is it taking opportunity away from like independent cinema and from original storytelling but i think there's two ways about it isn't there it's nice to have people still going to the cinema um but with disney eating everything and and churning out this giant machine of 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 uh ip based movies yeah is is there room for anything else yes that that's the problem with it the problem is the the volume of it it's like why can't it's like, do you need to have that kind of volume to create a cinematic event on the scale of Avengers Endgame? What do you think? Mm, I don't know. I remember the days where you'd just have that one-off movie that was massive and it didn't it didn't need to take over an entire history of a studio in order to reach <laughs> that point. Like um like, like um Dodgeball with Vince Vaughn. Exactly. <laughs> that that beautiful <laughs> moment of cinema. But but movies like um movies like titanic for instance which were these phenomena um didn't necessarily (laughs) but but didn't necessarily stop like studios from making things and equally there wasn't really anything that tried to necessarily do exactly what titanic did no whereas well to blend sort of weird present day submarine scientist documentary style stuff with schmaltzy stuff from history yeah exactly and you've got the odd movie that tried to do it so like you know pearl harbor is the prime example of let's take a historical tragical event shoehorn in a love story and see see how far we can get that's like that's Um, a genre in and of itself isn't it yeah yeah um but like titanic's the quintessential example of of that working in a bombastic sort of action but still like romantic manner and billy zane and Billy Zane, obviously. The the the, the Zanester, as as he likes to be known. <laughs> He's a Zane man. Did it did it did it did it. Yeah. Um friend <laughs> he, of the podcast, Adam Maleski, actually sent me a text a while ago with um Disney's release schedule for the next few years and it just looking at it was really stressful. The amount of stuff <laughs> the amount of stuff that's coming out. It's like we've got all the sort of live action in quotes remakes of things of which Aladdin is out now, and we're going to see it next week. Guess what? Our local cinema has a baby-friendly screening. Oh, amazing. So we are going to take our month-old child to go and see Aladdin. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. That'll be, they, that'll be know, interesting. They, they don't have... It's not too dark and it's not too noisy. They have you know the lights up and the volume down and whatever, but, you know, still it'll still be good. Yeah, hey, you'll still be going to the cinema. You get to see Will Smith. Yeah, as the genie, which I hear is actually quite good. I've heard the film itself is fine, um, which is an improvement on some of the other live-action Disney's. So that's something. And oh, 
Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Is this the new one? Yeah, so that's the new one. That's the one out at the end of this year. Oh, shit, dog. There's a trailer. I hadn't even seen this. Oh, it involves Star Wars-related stuff. I, I haven't seen any Star Wars because I have a, a small child, a very small, the smallest possible child you could have, by which I mean a still basically newborn baby. Although he is a month old now, so I guess that makes him not quite so tiny and helpless. Is he, <laughs> he's, is, he's practically an adult. What I'm saying is he's old enough for Star Wars. So yeah. we're going to start with um, The Phantom Menace tomorrow and do them all in the proper order. Are you going to be whispering into his ear about how it's a travesty of cinema and how you, he should hate Jar Jar Binks as a child? I'm going to let him make up his own mind. <laughs> You're not going to be poisoning him with the opinions of an adult on a t- on a um, movie series that is predominantly for children. No, no, I am not. He, if he wants Jar Jar, he can have Jar Jar. It's fine. But oh, there's a Bob's Burgers movie. So I'm looking at the looking at the oh, sweet. now. Yeah, Jungle Cruise. That's 2020. All right. Untitled Marvel. Uh, next year's uh, we have live action Mulan, which apparently does not have the best song from Mulan, which is um, the Be a Man one. Like, Be as how... swift as a coursing river. Exactly. Yeah. How could you not have that? It's ridiculous. If if any of the lyrics are problematic, I don't think they are, but you could change them, couldn't you? Like, there's... yeah, it makes no sense. Whereas in Aladdin, they're adding songs. Apparently, Princess Jasmine gets her own song, which is good. But you know, don't cut, don't cut from Mulan. No, definitely not. Given that it's quite an underrated film in general, Mulan. I, I agree. I agree. One of the one of the good. Well, Disney in the nineties. Obviously, that was what we grew up with, right? Like, was it was it was it the same for you? Like, whenever there was a new one, you'd go see it. You'd get the VHS, whatever. Not that my family was like addicted to it, but it was a, it was a thing, right? Yeah. So I think the last one that I watched was probably. Mm, you had like Pocahontas and I think maybe I'd like gotten out of Disney by the time that Mulan came out but I was aware that it was a thing yeah um but the big ones for me were like Aladdin and Mm -hmm. um Lion King oh shit dog Lion King was the first film I went to see in the cinema and then we had lots and lots of um of them on video like the old ones on video yeah nice that's only 90s kids will remember this yeah, the Disney movies with the brightly coloured like video cassette things. Yeah, what's a, what's a video cassette? I only know the YouTubers. <laughs> I only know racist YouTube men. Yeah, that's what we have now. Uh, what what happened to the racist YouTube man from the Brexit party? Did did he get, did he become a member of the European Parliament? Oh. No, because he was UKIP, not Brexit party. Oh right, that, that's uh, right. And UKIP yeah. got destroyed by. UKIP new, new yep. UKIP, new UKIP. Same shite, different yeah. name. <laughs> exactly. Why? Yeah, that proves that he's just the the most colossal moron. Like, why? If you're gonna like make a kind of racist a statement, hey, I'm a racist and I'm going into politics. The Brexit Party is there for you. You know, they're not going to yeah, turn you away, f- are they? No, exactly. They would have loved it, but um, yeah, he he done goofed. So did the guy who made his pug do a Nazi salute. He was. Oh, that was the guy I was talking about. Oh no, I was talking about the other one who said that he wouldn't rape a woman. That wasn't. I thought that was the same guy. No, you're telling me there are (laughs) multiple racist YouTube nerds. 
it might come as a shock to you, Paddy, but there are many, many racists on the internet. I thought it was just pudes and this the the guy, the grown man who refers to himself as Sargon of Akkad. No, there's there's Sargon of Akkad. There's him. Carl Benjamin is his real name. Um, Sounds like a soul singer from the sixties. Then there's Count Dankula. Who is oh, the other oh, one who is standing shit. for YouTube? I thought standing that was, for YouTube. I honestly thought <laughs> standing for the YouTube party. <laughs> I think I think I thought we, that was the same guy. No, it's not the uh, same guy. Right. They just hold incredibly similar opinions and are both absolute wastes of space. And they look similar as well. And they? they do look similar as well. They've both yeah. got a beard. And so Count Dankula was the pug guy. Yeah, Count Dag- Count Dankula was pug guy. Sargon of Akkad is a dog whistling racist guy. <laughs> Not a pug whistling racist guy. <laughs> no. S- specifically. No, he he's more, you know, he prefers more diversity in his dogs than he does in his people. Right. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, fuck them and I'm glad they lost. Yeah, it's great. Um speaking of of horrible views which impact on uh, society in a bad way, Footloose, they they banned dancing, man. What what what's up with that? And it's and it's based on real life as well. Yeah, there's a real life story about a town that banned dancing. Like, who would do that? I mean, do such a thing? That's some Oliver Cromwell level bullshit, isn't it? And from a religious point of view, when have they not heard the hymn that goes, "Dance, dance, wherever you may be, I am the Lord of the dance," said he. As I'm pretty sure Kevin Bacon quotes from the Bible in the meeting. Right? <laughs> That's exactly what he does. Have I ever told you about how we used to sing that song before I knew what the words were at school? No. Um, where I, I thought I thought your upbringing was strictly non-religious. It was, but um, I went to a comprehensive school in England, so ergo we spent a lot of time singing hymns anyway because oh, right. <laughs> because that's how it works. <laughs> Um, but I the always Church of England. But I always thought that it was Lord of the Dance Settee, as in a sofa, <laughs> and was like, "What is a dance settee?" Um, and then it was only when I grew up a little bit more and I realised that the way that it's pronounced in the song is not entirely accurate for said he. And it's like he goes, "Yeah, I'll lead you all in the dance settee." So not only does a dance settee exist, it's a thing that you can be led into as a congregation. Like in um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where Frank emerges from the sofa. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, sofas that eat you. Yeah. Um, so did you did you then genuinely think that in um, back in the Jesus times, the, the historical period known as the Jesus times, that they had um, they had settees? Well, I, I, I more thought this is a weird song about wacky stuff. I'm not going to question it. I'm just going to sing it because if I don't sing it, then people will go, "Why aren't you singing?" And wait, so in an unreligious school, you still had like organised singing that oh, everyone had to do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine yeah. you probably don't have to do it anymore. But back in the day, um, people loved making you do Christian stuff yeah. all the time. See, in my head, because I went to a Catholic boarding school, like comprehensive non-religious schools like secular schools are just like you know the high schools out of footloose in my in my my imagination or actually maybe more like kind of high school musical level stuff where it's all like jocks and nerds and stuff and everyone's wearing their own clothes imagine wearing your own clothes <laughs> yeah <laughs> i can't even do that now i'm wearing i'm i'm wearing my uniform in bed <laughs> your uniform um no yeah it it was a primary school 
Um, and yeah, oh, we okay, did we did right. a lot of singing hymns and stuff like that. And at the time, I thought this is weird because I was like, mm, I'm not Christian. This is strange that we have to do so much Christian stuff. I thought you meant secondary school. Oh no, no, uh, at, at secondary school we did. I don't know if we did any singing of hymns at secondary school. I because I, I was a bit surprised, but that by secondary school age, you hadn't worked out what a dance settee was or was. Yes, not. yeah. I was going to say, do you think so little of me that a thirteen-year-old <laughs> Rob would be going around thinking, "What's a dance settee? What's a dance settee?" You should have called up John Lithgow and asked him because yeah, he dear is. John. He's going to be forty-five to fifty years old forever, as he is in every single film. Exactly. He he never ages. Permanently looks like he looks. I think in this film he was actually 38 or 39, but he looks about 50. Yes, yeah. It's it's weird, isn't it? Is that he looks exactly the same age, but then this is an example of Kevin Bacon looking incredibly young. Yeah, how old is Kevin Bacon in this? So, when was Ke- when was Kevin Bacon born? It must have it says, it says here 1958 Footloose came out in 1984. So, 26 yeah, so so he was. I mean, and playing uh, a yeah, playing a seventeen-year-old. I mean, you've got to love any movie that that hires people in their mid to late twenties or maybe even into their thirties to play teenagers. That's, that's pretty. That's, that's pretty good. That's what you want. I kind of miss that. Is now in modern movies, they often try and hire people who are, you know, at least uh, at least in their early twenties. Whereas, come yeah. on, hire those thirty-year-olds. I know. Yeah. Why am I not being hired to play a high schooler? If yeah, I shaved why, off the beard, I could pull it off. Why am I? Why am I not being hired to play the hip young high school kid? Yeah, who you know skateboards in? How do you do, fellow kid? <laughs> What's yeah. up? Did, did you catch the new Count Dankula video last? Did night? you Did you watch that dope <laughs> PewDiePie vid where he s- screamed about being scared at a video game before dropping an ethnic slur? It was amazing. Yeah, see, we've got we've got the act down. <laughs> we can do it. We can do it. Um. So yeah. so footloose. So do you? Watch... I'm I'm very irritated by Kevin Bacon now because of those EE adverts. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need those. He's got enough money, hasn't he? Oh, I don't know if he was one of the people that was caught. Was there was a big scam artist who caught a lot of people out, wasn't there in Hollywood? Oh, you mean Nicolas Cage? How dare you? <laughs> his, his castle schemes. <laughs> how, how dare you? <laughs> I'm just going to search why did Kevin Bacon do adverts. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be just him going, because I need the money, now leave me alone. Which is kind and, of fair enough. And that's fair enough, you know. And I think he's he's much... It's better that Kevin Bacon is there than They're just really not. annoying ads. That's the, that's the only thing. But can you imagine if it wasn't Kevin Bacon and it was somebody else? Nicholas Cage. <laughs> well, no, not Nicholas Cage, because then <laughs> in a car with David Mitchell on safari. <laughs> <laughs> but but then it would be incredible. Yeah. Um, I would but, immediately you know, switch to EE if they were ad- if they were having ads with Nicholas Cage. Get on it, EE. What are you doing? But if he w- if it was just some random bloke or a meerkat, for instance. Oh yeah, I hate meerkats. Also, I haven't seen one of those EE adverts in a very long time. I don't know whether it's just that I don't go to a cinema that shows those ads anymore, yeah. or or whether I just don't watch enough television. Yeah. See, when you when you have a small baby, there's just television on in the background most of the day. 
for the time that you're awake and you're not even really paying attention. It's just like, oh, there's some TV now. Yay. I see. I see. And and this is where and this is when Kevin Bacon haunts your dreams. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I think I'm drifting up, off to sleep and then suddenly I hear the baby crying. But in my head, in my face, it's Kevin Bacon's face on a baby. <laughs> that's inc- that's incredible. <laughs> um, but no, I love um, I love Kevin Bacon. No, he's, 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 he is great. I think great. he's brilliant. Um, he's been in a lot of movies that I love. Um, and often the best thing about movies that he's in. Yeah. And quite, well. I'd say quite a varied career as well in terms of the types of films that he's done and done well. Oh, for sure. For sure. He's done all sorts over the years. Case in point is, and I talk about it all the time, um, Super is a movie I love. Oh, that's makes a great me, film. Makes me laugh an awful lot. I saw that with you. Did, did yes, I at your house. Yeah. a really clever movie by James Gunn uh, of Guardians of the Galaxy fame. Who did get rehired, did he not? He did get rehired now, which is good. Not that he good. should have ever not been hired in the first place. No. But yeah, it's, it's a really funny, clever movie that's kind of a subversion of, of, um, of the superhero movie um, with Rain Wilson of The Office fame being absolutely hilarious and Kevin Bacon plays like the big bad um and it's it's brilliant and and again kevin bacon in that movie really makes it just by being there and putting in a really great unique performance um and that's kind of what you get from kevin bacon isn't it is that he's he's one of those people that varies up his performances depending on what he's in um whereas some of some of the some of the other actors of that sort of era they kind of just do their own thing and they may well be very good but they don't have that variety or that versatility that kevin bacon has no, most of them probably couldn't have done what he did in Tremors or Flatliners, for example. Oh yeah, exactly. You know, running away from from giant worms or the terrifying existential threat of death itself. I mean, if you um, if you see a giant worm, you've got to run away from it. But you know, if that had been Nicolas Cage, he'd have run towards the worm. Yeah, he would have. He would have dived straight first into its mouth, and that would not have have uh, worked so well. No. Poor old Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless. Nice. And also, it seems like he's he has been married to his wife, the actress Cairo Cedric, since 1988. Oh, that's nice. Excellent. Website, baconbros.com. See, we always go, go down the Wikipedia hole. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's him It's him and his brother doing guitar music. Oh, that's nice. Oh, that's nice. Speaking of brothers, Chris Penn. Until I had seen this film, I did not know that Chris Penn existed, and I feel a fool for not knowing that. And then I looked it up, and it said that he died aged 40, and he's Michael Penn and Sean Penn's brother. Yeah, yeah. um, Chris Penn was in a lot of interesting movies, actually, over the years. Um, I think probably most known to a lot of people as Reservoir Dogs, where he's one of the... One of which, the gang- I, which I have seen, but have blocked from my memory. For one of the gangster gangster shooty men. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the shooty blokes who who says well cool lines. Yeah, he's like fuck the fucking fuck pigs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I I kind of like Reservoir Dogs. Um, in the there's a lot of dumb shit that happens, but I think for for such a low budget film the way that it builds tension and everything like that is actually very, very clever. Yeah. Um, I think it's... Oh, no, good... wait, wait. Hold the phone. 
Beethoven second. That's where I recognise him from. That, that tells you a lot about my taste in film. A different dog yeah, movie. He's the um yeah, he's the, the um like the like cuck husband of the um of the villain woman. Oh, he's great. I, I knew I recognised him from somewhere, but I, I had never realised that he was a pen. Oh yes. Yeah, he is. Um but yeah, also in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is great as well. Never seen it. Oh, that's such a good movie. Um, so yeah, he 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 had a he had an interesting career, but um, yeah, unfortunately taken taken very young at forty. Yeah, that's really sad. So shout out to Chris Penn, who is swirling in the heavens tonight. Indeed, and he's, and he's great in this as Willard, who immediately befriends Kevin Bacon as soon as he appears in the high school corridor. Um, even though it initially looks like they're going to fight, and then Kevin Bacon's like, "I like your hat," and then they become friends which I like, because that's exactly how high school works. That's exactly how it works. It, it, it reminded me of that great scene from Anchorman where they go, where did you get your clothes? At the toilet store? Because <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. what's the line? Some, like, some oh, of the I dialogue like... is a bit like that, isn't it? It's like very yeah. kind of stilted and weird. Yeah. Because <laughs> what just really made me laugh is when, um, oh, what's her name? Ariel. She's the Reverend's daughter. He loves her, etc. She's... She wants to dance and drink and be free. He he has no time for that because he's the angry reverend. Um, there's the scene, the kind of the scene between them when it all sort of turns around, and she's like, "I know why you banned that music. It's because people fornicate to it." And I'm like, "Was this written by a Victorian Englishman?" <laughs> What's fornication? I say. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. a bit Nixon at the end there. <laughs> I am not a crook. I am not a reverend. I do not fornicate. <laughs> and you know what as well? Lithgow kind of reminds me of the Dean in Animal House, which funnily enough, Kevin Bacon was in in his film debut. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, there's a definite similarity there, isn't there, in terms of yeah. the stuffy character. But what what I like is that although in a lot of these kind of movies, the bad guy is like an irredeemable monster who's like, I will not let you have fun. It is not in my nature, and fun is evil and should be destroyed. In here, like John Lithgow's reverend, you know, it, it actually delves into part of the reason why he's doing it is that sort of personal pain, and he can understand, and at the end he sort of does that reversal, and is like, yeah, okay, I wish you well. Um, which I think adds a lot of depth to this movie that a lot of its um, sort of peers perhaps don't have. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, that's the that's the interest, both the interesting thing about it and the thing that is kind of a flaw as well is that it tries to be a few different things. And I'm not sure whether they all entirely came together at the end. And actually, I towards the end, I thought I almost thought it was actually more the reverence story than anyone else's because he's the one that goes on the biggest journey. He's the one that goes from this kind of uh, this zealot in effect, who, you know, has suffered this terrible tragedy of his son dying in a car accident as a result of um, driving home from a night of drinking and dancing. But you don't find that out until two thirds of the way through. You think he's just a zealot. And then he he genuinely changes his mind, which I actually didn't expect. Um, I thought it was going to end in some big tragedy or something. And then they were going to be kind of looking to the future and going, OK, well, now we've graduated and we're free and we can be away from this small town hell, which is often what happens with these kind of small town films. I, I kind of expected that more. And I was then pleasantly surprised when the Reverend had his change of heart. But then it made it that made it feel more like his film than Kevin Bacon's film. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because you're right that a lot of 
in this movie kevin bacon's character doesn't really have an arc he kind of turns up is awesome and then struggles against society a little bit but he never deviates from what he wants to do no whereas sort of like the 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 shaping of an of of character in this is kind of caused through his actions rather than it happening to him as the main character yeah that that's exactly right although he he does get um a bit where he he dances on his own to a great eighties song that I can't remember in a warehouse after drinking and smoking a fag, and he's just jumping and dancing around. I kind of love that, even though again I'm not sure that the musical numbers really work because it's like it just leaves you thinking: Is this film trying to be a musical but not really doing it? It's just having these kind of long musical sequences, and it's just um, relying too heavily on montage and not enough on strong dialogue, which. But I still think it just about pulls it off. What do you think? Yeah, I think it. I think it manages it. I think it gets there in the end. It it is a kind of talking point, I suppose. But I think it manages it manages to 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 pull it off. Yeah, I think the main reason it works is because a lot of the time in the background, there's like soft strings, and then suddenly some like raunchy guitar just comes in, and you're like, okay, I know we're in the early '80s now. I feel comfortable. I can relax. Yeah, it's. At some point, there's going to be some kind of montage of people doing stuff where they're going to gradually get better with a bit of, of camaraderie thrown in here and there. Yeah. Or it's like, you know, you're in for a tender moment when there's just like some soft strings going, ah, and then guitar going. <laughs> I might um, I might just actually do that for every episode of the podcast going forward, or maybe at least this one, just add some like kind of beautiful soft strings and guitar in the background yeah i um i i could go for that i could go for that yes can do (laughs) so speaking of the soundtrack there is many songs in this film yeah i didn't realize that let's hear it for the boy was um was from this film and also that it's not by whitney houston i thought it was a whitney houston number oh right okay it's um yeah well it's got a great great score hasn't it Obviously, Kenny Loggins is a god among men. He he wrote not only Footloose, but also Danger Zone, which I have seen you do a cover of in a, a, rock, a rock band that you used to play in. Yeah, I mean, I it's one of my favourite songs to cover. Yeah. <laughs> um, One of my proudest moments is, is singing that to, to far too many people than should be there. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I I love Danger Zone. And um, yeah, Kenny Rogers, who is now 80 years old, I might add. Kenny Loggins. Um, What did I say? You said Kenny Rogers. Oh, wait, no. What did Kenny Rogers do? He did. Is he not a saxophone man? Oh, no, that's Kenny G. That's Kenny G. Who's Kenny? Which one's Kenny Rogers then? He's the. the Is he the country guy? The small round orange man from South Park. Who sing. Funnily enough, I think he is a small orange guy, isn't he, Kenny Rogers? <laughs> Hold on. Let me search. Let me search yeah. Kenny Rogers. American singer, songwriter, actor, yeah. Member of the Country Music Hall of Fame. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he he's is, the, he, he's, he is a little bit orange. He's orange country guy. He's Guy, guy Fieri's dad. <laughs> he's guy, he's the, the Papa Fieri. Whereas Kenny Loggins, of course, is in... Do you ever watch Archer? No, I heard good things about that, though. Archer's really good, and Kenny Loggins is in it occasionally. He's in it? Yeah. Wow. Because um, Danger Zone is kind of a recurring joke in it. Um, 
and uh yeah he appears in i think it's one or two episodes it's amazing oh nice he's well he's 71 now so he's got nine years on kenny rogers got nine years on kenny rogers yeah but yeah i can't say i'm that overly familiar with his work beyond footloose and danger zone but they're both bangers so fair play to him yeah he's uh he's awesome um, let's let's what, hear it for the logins. Let's hear it for the logins. <laughs> um, well, hang on. Logins and Messina, his first duo, says here, they sold 16 million records and were the most successful duo of the early 1970s, surpassed later in the decade only by Hall & Oates, who I um, also love. you gotta, you got to love a bit of Hall & Oates. Yeah. Again, I can go for that. Yes, can do. I can go for that. <laughs> so yeah obviously footloose is enough of a tune that it appears in the film not once not twice but three times yeah it's but it, it doesn't feel <laughs> overused though does it i every time we came in i was like oh yeah it's footloose check up check footloose on yeah it, it feels Play like that the same right song time. again especially at the end when it's like i've beaten up the bad shit guys from the school let's have a dance let's have a dance and then you get the ultimate dance montage yeah, of everyone dressed up in their, their garish prom suits in what looks like kind of a, a, an industrial warehouse that's done up kind of like these wedding barns they have now. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't look quite as good as a, a proper wedding barn venue. But no. They've, they've, done, they've done a good job for a bunch of kids slash 26-year-olds <laughs> pretending to be kids. <laughs> yeah. Although um, on the subject of um, Footloose and wedding dances, when uh, we were planning our wedding dance a few years ago, um, we were looking at YouTube for inspiration of like, and they, like we just kind of went down this rabbit hole of like loads of videos. You know, you could do the same on YouTube of where like the the groom and the the groomsmen have all gotten together to do some kind of cool dance, either that, and it's it's all smug and they're all really good, and it starts off slow and then they all do some jumpy dancing and it's all cool but there's also a kind of subgenre of that which is the the groom has the groom has managed to persuade the bride that they should start off slow and then go into footloose and it's like there's there's thousands of them out there honestly but and in most of them the groom like um is a is a larger a portlier gentleman of the kenny rogers type and he will there'll be like a record scratch and someone tosses him a cowboy hat from the wings. He puts on the cowboy hat and like cowboy boots and then suddenly they jump into Footloose in the middle of the wedding dance and the and the crowd goes wild. This is one of my favourite genres of YouTube. Just, be- <laughs> just below um, people playing games and saying the N-word. <laughs> there's the only two kinds of videos. Yeah. Oh no, sorry, there's the third kind, which is people popping pimples online for people to watch. Oh yeah, yeah. That's 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 the, that's the trifecta of YouTube content. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Footloose, good um good wedding dance song as well. Put on your wedding shoes. Put on your wedding shoes. Jack, smoke crack. <laughs> <laughs> And it, yeah, again, it's lyrically, it's one of the dumbest songs ever written, but it works. Oh yeah, it's just so much fun, isn't it? When you just hear that, yeah. you just you just can't you can't stop yourself from from having a little boogie. Yeah, of course. And I like the title sequence where it's just the feet and wearing all of the different styles of shoe from the early eighties. I appreciated that. Again, it's nice in a sort of vaguely nostalgic way, isn't it? Yeah, there's something very 
timely about this film. It, it really hits home that kind of 80s kitsch in a really clever way and 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 it means that you know it does feel dated but that it it's got that datedness that feels iconic um rather than just oh this is a movie from from the 80s yeah for sure and it's it's early 80s as well so a lot of stuff that we think of as being classic 80s was yet to come and i think that shows in it sort of there's a sort of there's less of a sense of fun about it in some ways as i said the bits with the um the reverend are all very very austere and then tender but then you've got all these dance sequences and then there's always a bit of violence in early 80s films isn't there there's always like a bit of beating people up or a bit of a little bit of domestic violence or whatever you know they they were they were into that at that time weren't they yeah they've got to get a bit of drama in and it might you know it's stuff like a scuffle between different high school rivals or what have you and this has got some scuffling yeah. going on between him and what's his name chuck compton guy fieri guy fieri yep the guy his... ch- challenges him to a chicken race which is not a chuck, race chuck chuck cranston chuck cranston no relation to brian cranston of course no of course not he wouldn't stand for that nonsense um but but interestingly enough although this movie came out then um in, in the sort of early to mid 80s um there are a couple of films from that year that really do feel as unbelievably 80s as possible yeah first up you've got this is spinal tap oh my god which is so- perfectly 80s smell the glove <laughs> smell the glove um and uh the terminator as well was 1984 oh, so good which is an incredible movie but that has the most 80s hair you will find in any film from the 80s and also um like an amazing like techno dance club that just comes perfectly out of the 80s in fact, 1984 was an incredible year for movies. So you I had... was just about to say, you know what, when we get onto this, you know what we have to do is look at the weird IMDb lists. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so, so you I had this... I wonder where is... Footloose ranks. Okay, Ca- carry on, carry on. I'm looking at the list. <laughs> you, you lock up the list. Um, so, so you had like this Spinal Tap, you've got the Terminator. Also, um, you've got like um, Nightmare on Elm Street, classic horror movie, Gremlins... Ghostbusters, Never Ending Story, Beverly Hills Cop. Um, so you've got all of these incredible films from 1984. It's got to be one of the best years for yeah. like cinema in terms of having these pop culture hits that have had this long standing impact on uh, on on the movie landscape. Yeah, uh, Sixteen Candles, very important in the history of racist film. <laughs> the the most important film that people love where they try and ignore the fact that there's some racist stuff going on yeah okay where do you think um footloose ranks on this unscientific imdb list i've just pulled up Mm, that is a tough question Uh, what is it is it top 50 you've got this is top this goes this goes beyond 50 uh this goes up to 60 oh okay I actually no. Let me find a different one because this just looks like one that's been created by a user, user-generated oh, content. Get away! There's a note underneath Footloose that says, "Not sure if I should say anything about this one, but people still love it." Right? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. And it's just above Sixteen Candles. What um, did the What did the guy say about Sixteen Candles? It's too late. I've clicked onto a different one. Best of 1984. 
Is this another user-generated list? It probably is. They probably all are, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. This one starts with the Killing Fields at number one, which I have not seen. But I I always think of it because there's a bit in um, Peep Show where there's a reference to um, Jeremy having once made Mark turn it off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right, okay. I've found... I've got the IMDb official 1984 list here. See, I think think my Google search algorithm bars me from seeing the official lists. I don't know why. (laughs) It won't let you. (laughs) So, So we've got it here. Do you want it based on popularity? Or... Sure. That that dubious measure of, the, the, of yeah the mysterious popularity. So let's see where Footloose comes up in here, and you can you can guess. Right. Okay. So where do you reckon? I've I've got the first page goes up to fifty. So um, eighteen. Not far off, actually. Uh, Twenty-two. Yeah. Twenty-two. Okay. Okay. So then, read me up from Footloose. What was what's above it? So Beverly Hills Cop. Yep. Bring, bring. That's right. I, I, I did it. You, you went there. I went there. You found the frog. I, I found the frog. I unleashed the frog. Um, romancing. Only mid two thousands kids will remember this. Only mid two thousand kids will get that. The crazy frog. What a travesty of culture that Possibly was. the worst pop cultural phenomenon ever. <laughs> um, so 20, we've got Romancing the Stone. Okay. Um, Is that... I've never seen it. Does a man have sex with a stone in it? <laughs> no. It's, um, it's about this romance novelist played by... I think it's Kathleen Turner. All right. who who sets off into the jungle and then meets a roguish adventurer played by Michael Douglas and then they they um they have an adventure and fall in love. Oh. So imagine Indiana Jones but with romance basically. Sounds all right. Um then you've got Police Academy at number 19. I like the one who makes the funny noises. Yeah. Um, which I knew about from the Simpsons before I ever knew anything about what Police Academy was. <laughs> Then you've got Conan the Destroyer, so the Conan sequel. Not as good as the original, but that comes in at 18. Um, This is Spinal Tap, 17. Red Dawn in at 16. That's a very bad film. Um, Have you ever seen Red Dawn? I have not. Uh, Basically, the Russians invade America and then a bunch of cool high school kids form a resistance movement against them. It's it's really bad, but it does have Patrick Swayze and Charlie Sheen in it, so okay, I'm it's got listening. some bonus. Then you got Amadeus at fifteen. Ah, oh, that is a great film. Um, That's one of my faves. It's a it, that is a good one of the best sort of biography films, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street fourteen, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom in at thirteen. Very good. Um, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, oh my God. number 12. That is a that, great, that would great, be in my top great 10. movie. Um, I'd love that film. Gremlins at 11, Top Secret at 10. That is an underrated Ooh, what, film. What's Top Secret? So it's basically um, Airplane, but spy movie starring Val Kilmer. All right. 
I'm, um, I'm, I'm uh, listening. I like uh, Val Kilmer. A very funny parody movie, basically, and it's parodying kind of spy spy movies instead of you know disaster movies, or instead of rather than Naked Guns kind of detective procedural thing. Um, it focuses on like the old spy movies of the fifties. Um, Revenge of the Nerds. That's a shit piece. In yeah. at number nine. I've not seen it, but I think that on your advice, I probably never will. Splash at number eight. Ah. Mermaid, uh, mermaid rom-com. The prequel to The Shape of Water. Exactly. Um, less eating of the faces of cats. Um, the Neverending Story at seven. Ah, nice. Uh, horribly marketed. That story did end very yeah. unhappy. I'm still livid about it, to be uh, honest. 16 Candles at six. Wow, that's too high. <laughs> yes we need to talk about that film on a uh, need to tone episode yeah that is yeah. that is too high <laughs> ghostbusters in at number five good uh yep. once upon a time in america at number four not seen that um that is a really good um like gangster movie with robert de niro um and a, a very epic film um then you've got okay i know that this list is definitely wrong because in at number three paddy is david lynch's june <laughs> we watched that together and i we have did. kind of, i have kind of a soft spot for june i think it's a, a it is brilliant but in a really insane way it's it's N- a not in a popular way no it's a bizarre movie that is very bad and very good at the same time yeah um and I don't know what it's doing at number three. The only thing I can think of it being that high is because obviously um, there is a new adaptation of June being made. Um, is there? Which sounds very exciting. Um, wow. Yeah, I think it, I can't remember when it's coming out. I think it might be scheduled for next year. Wow, like uh, a feature film? Yes, yeah. Um, the cast is incredible. Um, so it's being directed by Denis Villeneuve. Oh, who, okay. um, you know, did most recent Blade Runner, did uh, Prisoners, did Arrival, um, one of the best filmmakers around at the moment. Um, and the cast includes Timothée Chalamet, uh, okay. Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, Dave Bautista, Zendaya, um, and Jason Momoa and Javier Bardem. Excellent. Uh, it is he's he's i think he's treating it incredibly seriously and trying to make this massive bizarre epic so which one of them um, plays the role of sting in his um like blue <laughs> me- metal blue pants oh i've forgotten what that guy's name is uh <laughs> it's got to be javier bardem he'd look good I in don't like, know. A, like a blue metal thong piece thing hold on let me search who did sting play And I'm going to guess that it's Zendaya who milks a cat. <laughs> See, I think I, 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 I think I don't know if I've talked to, talked about this on the podcast before, but nowhere in the book is there a scene where someone milks, <laughs> milks a cat. It no, just we've, doesn't we've happen. Talked about this a lot. It's my, it was my favourite scene in June. <laughs> I mean, it is the greatest scene. Um, so, so, so Sting played Fade Rowther, but let's see if they have. It doesn't look as though they've officially cast whoever's going to be that. Right. Yeah. So Sting, mate, get back on it. Yeah, he he could pull it off. Because I thought he's one of the Harkonnens, isn't he? The the wrongens. Yeah, he's a, he's a bad man. He's the, a very the, bad the man. The badens. So so yeah. 
that it, I'm really excited about that because I really love the book Dune. It does a lot of clever undermining what uh, what sort of a, an epic story of a chosen one should be. And I that's have always that, meant to read it. I would like to read it. It is really dense, um, but if you get into it, you'll probably be very hooked. Um, is it because, well dense? Well dense, bruv. Um, because I get really sick of chosen one narratives. I, it's one of the things I really hate. And, and one of the things that I liked about the end of Game of Thrones, spoiler alert for Game of Thrones. <laughs> once um, again. Once again. <laughs> it's is finished, the, but we can't stop talking about n- it. Uh, it, uh, and what I love about the end of Game of Thrones is, is it completely undermines all of the the chosen one narratives that it was kind of hinting at along the way because there's all this sp- stuff about like oh yes you will be the one who leads us to this noble land and like oh yeah you're you're the the the, the secret child of destiny and none of that mm-hmm. means none of that means anything at the end and I'm like, it's like yes fuck destiny fuck chosen ones oh. the whole point of this show should have been that monarchy is bad and yes. that just choosing someone to do something based on some kind of prophecy is a really stupid idea and they kind of do that at the end of game of thrones which i really like in that nobody ends up where they think they should end up based on their heritage um which is good and i liked um but equally like the, the last Star Wars movie kind of set that up as well, where our, our mm. big hero is hinted at being a child of no one, of just random people. And I really hope they don't go back on that in the final movie. And I have yeah. a fear I have a feeling that they might do because um the backlash from fans has been like, Oh, why why isn't she a chosen one? Blah blah blah. The Skywalkers are supposed to be all powerful because of the great prophecy. It's like fuck off. Fuck off yeah, with your then- prophecy. If she is a chosen one, they're all like, "Oh, the chosen one would be a woman." Oh yeah, yeah. There's no way of pleasing these people. They should, they should just open the next film with J.J. Um, Abrams just swearing at the camera for a good solid five minutes, <laughs> holding just, up a sign saying "Fuck off, fanboys." Just mooning. Just mooning. <laughs> yeah, it's in a galaxy far, far away. And it's, <laughs> but, but he's 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 doing the you know in Ace Ventura Pet Detective where he's singing through his butt. Yeah. He's he's doing the Star Wars song to that. Yeah. So instead of like the usual stars background, yeah, it's just his his butt. He's yeah, he's clenching it, and the tune's coming out, and like the the opening crawl of the text is coming up across it, and you can't really read it properly because it's yellow on like a skin coloured background. <laughs> yeah. You can only make out the bits where um, the Jar Jar Binks tattoo on each side of the bum <laughs> is it, it is showing up the yellow text. Yeah, that's, that's what J J stands for. Jar Jar. Jar Jar. Jar Jar Abrams. Um. Yeah, so I, I really hope that all of the, the stupid fanboys who don't like The Last Jedi hate the new one as well. I hope it pisses them off and that they all go home and cry into their milk. Their blue milk. Yeah. Um yeah, because I like Star Wars and Star Wars fans are some of the most entitled, annoying people on the internet. And I think fans fans in general are the most annoying entitled people on the internet. Like the yep. the backlash to Game of Thrones has been ridiculous. Um, the backlash to anything is ridiculous now. It's just like, just go away, go away and enjoy stuff. Like I would quite happily have 
a solid 7 out of 10 Star Wars movie every year between now and when I die because I like Star Wars <laughs> whereas some people who Exactly. Su- some people it's who films. are supposed Yeah, some people who are supposedly fans are like no, it must be perfect and you should stop making Star Wars films. It's like no, keep making them. They've all been good. Just yeah. enjoy good movies about people with laser swords cutting off people's arms and fluffy animals. I have not seen a Star Wars that I did not enjoy. Some were better than others. No, because even even the prequels, which I don't particularly like, I still enjoy them because, hey, it's Star Wars. I love Star Wars. Even The Phantom Menace. Yeah, The Phantom Menace is is a hilarious movie. There's something enjoyable about all of them, apart from the holiday special. um, I've not seen it still. Which, uh, there's a reason why. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's very, very bad. Um, But it was never meant to be like a big theatrical release anyway. So you can kind of understand it. But yeah, every Star Wars movie is good in its way. Just enjoy it. Stop trying to to look for something that's perfect in a, a, a series you love. And just embrace it and enjoy it for what it is. And say that it needs, that The Last Jedi needs to be remade. Nothing needs to be remade. As we can see, we should watch the 2011 Footloose. Now, there's a point of comparison. Not now, but at some point. All remakes are bad. I mean, I was genuinely thinking of suggesting that as our next film. <laughs> well, cause... I know from searching that it's on Netflix. So Ah, is it now? Maybe we should. But speaking of, of remakes, maybe we should talk about this another time because it is getting a bit late. But... Yeah. But you're op- you're opening the, you're opening the can. Now, there there have been good remakes. So no, I, I know, like I I have actually enjoyed some of the Disney ones. I think Aladdin looks very good. You know, so like you know, the, uh, David Cronenberg's The Fly. But that's remaking a, a cartoon into a yeah a live action quote unquote film, which is different. Anyway, yeah, The Fly. There's a remake of The Fly. Well, yes, the the Fly itself is a remake of a fifties oh. movie. That's um, right. Yeah. Or Invasion of the Body Snatchers is a remake. Um The Thing is a remake. You can make good remakes. You've just got to tune it into something different. You're, uh, no, you're you're right. And especially I think it's actually easier to look to for a film made in the 80s remaking something from the 50s. Was it the 50s? The original Yeah. Line? Yeah. I think that's kind of an easier one because to update because things have culturally changed a lot. I think culturally have changed a lot between now and the eighties, but it's like a lot of it is still more understandable. I don't know. It's just yeah, it's tricky. Because people it's went from talking like this <laughs> yeah. to talking like this. Yes, it, exactly. People to talking about fornication. <laughs> Whereas yeah, I, um I kind of still want to choose Footloose 2011, but I don't know if my <laughs> mind can take it. I'm very grumpy at the minute. Yeah, me too. I'm not I, um, sure whether I, had, I can handle it. Um, I went to the dentist this morning and had some fillings and had a root taken out, which was very unpleasant. So, I'm oh, not, dear. And I've been kept up all day by a crying child. He's been very unhappy today as well. I think he could sense that I was unhappy. Ah, so, yeah. so he, was, he had that, that empathy. Yeah, um, yeah. But have you got anything else you'd like to share about Footloose before we go? Um, no, I want to say that I think the performances on the whole are very, very good as well. Um, everyone turns in a good, Lithgow's good, Laurie Singer, pretty good. And she looks like a classic 80s girl, doesn't she? Like I felt, And then I felt like I'd seen her in loads of stuff and then looked her up and I hadn't. But it's just because she had that kind of familiar look. Um, early, Very early Sarah Jessica Parker appearance as well. Yep, got um, SJP in here. Yep, um, as Rusty. Uh, rusty (laughs) 
Um, whereas, yeah, I don't know if I've seen anything else that, um, or, or not anything that I'd recognize. I remember because looking at, looking at, uh, Laurie Singer's, um, movie history, she was in the movie Warlock, which I've definitely watched. Um, it's about a warlock who travels through time to the modern day cool. and it's, it's really silly. And I've definitely watched that because that thing is my jam, but I don't remember anybody in it. <laughs> so, um, but that, that's a good, that's a good, interesting movie. Yeah. But yeah, everybody, everybody's good in this equally like good shout out to slaughterhouse five in this film. <laughs> yeah. They're like, it's, it's a classic. It's, it's not in this town. So okay, but but there was this big controversy around that book where it was banned in a lot of places. There was this yeah. big censorship movement from the right wing and from the Christian right to try and stifle that book. So it's quite an interesting uh, example to use in this film, I suppose, because it did did have those genuine real world implications. It certainly did, yeah. So yeah, I appreciated that quite early on as well. And he's like wearing his tie and he's trying to be a good boy. Yeah, because he is a good boy. Yeah, he is a very good boy. But, you know, 45 minutes later, he's drinking and dancing in a warehouse. Uh, that shows the slippery slope if you're reading Slaughterhouse-Five. Yeah, that's where you end up. Yeah. And then you end up having a prom. Which nobody wants. No, especially not in this country where we didn't have don't have proms. Or where we used to not. Not in our day, anyway. So my school had an end-of-year ball. Yeah, that's what we had. Which is effectively a prom. That's what a prom is. It's the same thing, but it's not called that. And no. there's no there's no spiked punch. Oh, well, maybe at your school. No, I don't <laughs> think we had a spiked punch either. But. Yeah. I mean, we, we'd punch each other. <laughs> spiked punch is just <laughs> punching people with spikes. Yeah. That's, you know, it's all boys. Very aggressive environment. Yeah, just furious. Furious. Livid. Um, yeah, so overall, I just I found Footloose interesting just because everyone's heard of it and everyone knows about it, but I think it's it has sort of disappeared a little bit and is a little bit dated and it's not necessarily viewed as that much of a classic anymore. I think that maybe its star is waning, but it still yeah, it holds up, I think. It's, it's quite good. I don't know that I'll be watching it again anytime soon, but I found it interesting and enjoyable as a one-off watch for sure. And it, and I enjoyed all the musical montage bits and thought that, yeah, they, they, it didn't quite cohere, but it just about worked enough to pull it off. Yeah. I, I think that you're, you're, you're right about that. And that Footloose is kind of a, a remembered name of that era of movie, but maybe the sort of pieces of it and the structure of it isn't remembered. So everyone thinks of the, the final dance montage scene at the ball. And that's kind of the the resounding legacy of the film now. So it was interesting to revisit it. I've not watched it in a very long time, um, and and see through the 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 whole sort of um, plot of it and how it's actually generally quite a much more um, character focused piece rather yeah. than rather than based on the dancing. Even though the dancing is the thing that everyone remembers, it's not just a cheesy dance flick. It's not no, ste- no. step up. Or, or Dirty Dancing, which yeah. is a movie I don't like. Uh, yeah, I've only seen it once, so I don't remember being particularly enamored it's with it. F- it's fine, but Footloose is It's one superior. we'll get around to. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing as well. I think people pretend to be like, oh yeah, Dirty Dancing is this real classic emotional film. Nah, whatever. Footloose is clearly better. Nobody puts Footloose in the corner. That's what exactly. I'm saying. Nobody puts Bacon in the corner. 
<laughs> the corner uh, of the fridge. Unless unless your fridge is in the corner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very much depends on the layout of your house. Yes, exactly. Um, so, uh, trivia. Trivia yeah, for me. Yeah. Chris Penn couldn't actually dance, so they had to write it into the script and then teach him how to dance. Yeah, because he, he gets a montage. He, he does. Goes, I can't dance. Which is a really fun little bit. It's great. That'll do. I'm tired. I'm <laughs> tired and grumpy. But that, that bit, I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's that's nice. It doesn't need any trivia, does it? No. The trivia is this movie is fun and you should watch it. And it's more than just a dance movie. Yeah. Why not? Get on it. Get Cut loose. Cut foot loose. Exactly. Exactly. Which is a very clumsy lyric, is it not? But at the same time beautiful lyrics lyrics yep. stick with you it's what they call um the loggins conundrum yeah <laughs> it's one of those great philosophical debates yeah we should start a whole other podcast about that just yeah philosophical debates about loggins yeah the loggins cast <laughs> i bet you someone's doing that yes they better be they better be yeah so how are we rating this then? Oh, let's see. How You know there's that bit where he's like working in the factory and he's hauling bags of flour. How many big bags of flour do you have to haul before you can finish your shift and go dancing? Before you can cut loose. Before you can cut loose. Foot loose. Um it is a solid 14 bags for me. Yeah, that sounds about right. Maybe maybe I'll go one higher and give it a 15. Because I feel like, yeah, it's a Bon Jovi and a Bon Jovi of a Bon Jovi, by which I mean three quarters, a.k.a. 7.5, <laughs> a.k.a. 15 out of 20. It's halfway there. Were oh living. Living to cut loose. <laughs> foot loose. <laughs> That's where it's at. That's where it's at. Yeah. Yeah, good. So uh, your choice next. What are we? What are we doing? So, mm, I'm going to pick a movie that I've wanted to talk about for a while, and it might make me grumpy, but I might enjoy. <laughs> I might, I might enjoy being grumpy. We'll see. It sounds like anything you pick is going to make you grumpy. Yeah. So we're going to watch Ruby Sparks because oh, I've been okay, hankering yeah, for this for ages. Yeah. So let's just get out of the way and do it. Yeah, yeah. This is good. I've, I this is a film I believe I have seen multiple times. So. I've just watched yeah. it the once, I think, but it did right. leave an impression and I've wanted to rewatch it. So Cool, cool. Let's do it. Let's watch a movie about rubies sparking. Rubies sparking. What happens if you put a ruby in the middle of a lightning storm? It starts sparking and then Paul Dano's in a movie about it. Yeah. He's chasing after it going, Ruby, don't spark. Don't spark. Don't spark, Ruby. You'll lose your allure yeah. of being a ruby. By being then, unable to be touched, and then the ruby turns around and it's Cher, because that was because Ruby was her character's name in Mamma Mia Two. I thought her character name in Mamma Mia Two was motherfucking Cher. That's what <laughs> well, it should have been. That, that's her. That's her character name in everything. <laughs> it was Cher as oh my god, it's motherfucking Cher. <laughs> no, but there's a bit when her lover boy shouts Ruby. Oh it, yeah, the time is. stops. Yep. But in For my head, movie. I was just thinking Cher. I mean, I'm always thinking about Cher. <laughs> Who isn't? Who isn't? Yeah. Um, 
Anyway, right. All right. Let us let us let us uh, away. Yeah. Very good, very good. Well, I hope you all enjoyed um, Footloose. Um, let us know if you've ever experienced loose feet. You can get in touch with us on the Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. Emails Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail dot com. Please do let us know what you thought. Yeah, did you enjoy Footloose? What was your favourite part? Did you have you ever driven a tractor at someone? Yeah. Have you ever participated in a chicken race? Have you also ever participated in the racing of chickens? Yep. A chicken race of any kind. We're not fussy. Yeah, we want to know your chicken race stories, regardless of how you choose to describe them. Yeah, but don't tell us about the film Chicken Run. That's not allowed. No, how dare you? How dare you even bring it up? Yep, just get out. (laughs) Get out of here. Yeah. All right. We'll be back next week to talk about Ruby Sparks. Alright, bye bye. Not a gotta cut loose. loose. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I tried to end on a song, but I couldn't think of anything to add to it. Gotta cut loose. (laughs) I was thinking of that. I was thinking of that. That, Because it it does sound like that at points. So now they gotta cut loose, foot loose, join the alt right and be racist. <laughs> um, yeah, I that is going to be the file name, by the way. <laughs> cut loose, <laughs> cut, cut loose, fuck loose. So now they gotta fuck loose, cut loose. So I mean, if you just said a word like that, you'd have been driven out of the state in that time, probably. Yeah.